In honor of National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, if you'd like to join the fight against breast cancer, please go to www.komen.org and donate today. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. This week on the Real Pink Podcast, we are having real conversations about metastatic breast cancer. We'll be welcoming people living with metastatic breast cancer to share their stories, their experiences, and their words of encouragement. Everyone can make a difference in the life of someone living with the disease by donating to Breakthrough Research. Enduring the ongoing treatments necessary when living with metastatic breast cancer can have far-reaching physical side effects, including muscle and joint pain, fatigue, loss of appetite, vomiting, and nausea. Often, things you take for granted, such as walking or even standing, can become a challenge. Luckily, symptom management and supportive care is available, with the aim to prevent or relieve some of these side effects. But the reality is that an MBC diagnosis can often drastically change your day-to-day life. Here today to share his story and how he manages his journey with metastatic breast cancer is Kirby Lewis. Kirby, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here, and I uh, I love uh, talking about this, Adam. Well, I appreciate uh, what you have to share, and uh, I can already tell it's going to be a lively and, and really valuable conversation. So let's start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your breast cancer journey. Uh, so uh, 2012, um, I had a persistent cough and a cold, and I attributed it to allergies, uh, but uh, one night late, I had uh, we'd gone to bed. My wife was already sound asleep next to me, and I sat up in bed, grabbed my chest, coughing. And when I did, I discovered a lump. I have no family history, but immediately I just knew that it was breast cancer. And I woke my wife up and I said, "Honey, honey," I said, "I just found a lump in my breast." And she says, oh, for goodness sake. She said, go back to sleep. She said, you've got breast cancer. I got prostate cancer. Now just go back to sleep. Well, fortunately, uh, she didn't have uh, prostate cancer. But unfortunately, I did end up with the uh, breast cancer. And I tell people uh, that um, breast cancer saved my life. And uh, the reason is, is because after a a numerous uh, amount of tests, to actually determine that I did in fact have breast cancer. Uh, I was uh, being uh, routinely prepped for surgery and they discovered that I needed to have open heart surgery as well. So literally in a matter of three months time, I had a mastectomy, a radical mastectomy and a open heart surgery. Um, So, had I not discovered or had they not discovered that I needed to have a mastectomy, they would have never discovered uh, the heart issue. And uh, my thoracic surgeon said, yeah, you could just walk down the street one day and died. Wow. I, I feel very blessed in that respect. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to fast forward then four years later. And <clears throat> in 2016, And in January, I had had pneumonia and I had been in the hospital, uh, have tests run and x-rays and things. 
And uh, they finally, at the end of January, declared that my, uh, you know, I had no anomalies. Um, my chest looked clear and my lungs looked clear and, uh, and I was ready to go. Now, this is the part that really surprised me. Six weeks later, I went into the hospital in the middle of March for some really minor plastic surgery. I have little skin tags around my eyes and I was having them removed. And here again, uh, coincidentally, they do these tests um, and they're all just routine, you know. And for me, um, I really wasn't expecting anything other than, okay, we're just going through the paces. The x-rays showed abnormalities, and immediately I told my wife, I said, my cancer's back. And she said, well, how do you know that? And I said, it just takes one cell to get through. And I said, if your body already has the propensity to turn these cells on um, to uh, cultivate cancer, it's, gonna, it's just a matter of time. And I really didn't expect it because it was only six weeks earlier. So that was the thing that surprised me. I had recurrence in both lungs and in my spine and my, my lungs lit up like Christmas trees. And that's what really, that just is what amazed me at the speed at which, um, you know, cancer acts. And I'm going to kind of transition through here. Um, I got along well with my treatments and things. Of course I had, I started a, a chemo regimen. I was blessed that I never had any type of nausea uh, or any, really any major side effects. Um, so um, I did have a bout where my temperature spiked and I ended up spending the time in the hospital. And because of that, I ended up having to have uh, a, a blood transfusion. And I was in there for like 10 days, got out. Uh, went to my mother-in-law's funeral and uh, was back in the hospital for five more days. So, um, but th that that was um, in in the summer of 2016. So I'd only been in into chemo for just a couple of months, and actually it was at the end of the uh, I was on chemo for 16 weeks the first time. So I started on a, a, a regimen of uh, medications. Um, and my doctor was trying to get me in a, into a clinical trial at, uh, at NIH. My cancer care my, uh, is through the uh, Veterans Administration Hospital in Washington, D.C. And um, we, she was trying very desperately to get me into a clinical trial. And most of the fall, um, you know, it just wasn't happening. And I went in for my routine scans on November the 4th of 2016. Um, I had left the hospital after my scans and she calls me up and she says, I've got good news and I've got great news. And I said, you've got that mixed up. It's good news and bad news. And she said, no, this is good news and great news. She said, what do you want to hear first? I said, well, tell me the good news because it doesn't sound as good as the great. So <clears throat> she said, well, the good news is is uh, you got into the clinical trials. And I said, I did? I said, well, that sounds like great news. She said, well, they're not going to take you. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? You just said I got into it. She said, well, the problem is you don't have any evidence of disease. 
She said, that's the, the great news. And I said, well, what do you mean? And I said, she said, you, you know, there's no evidence of disease. You don't have any cancer right now. And I said, where does it go? And it, so it, it kind of just leaves you at, or it, leaves, it left me um, just as quickly as it had kind of come to, to me uh, for recurrence anyway. And uh, so I had 32 uh, months of uh, no evidence of disease. And then I, I had recurrence again, um, but uh, it came back as a small um, nodule on my right lung. And, um, and it, it has grown uh, a little bit, but uh, with proper uh, treatments now, and I'm back on a chemo treatment, which is why I have this beautiful hairdo. You can't see it, but, but uh, Adam can see it. And, and uh, I, I tell everybody now that I, I get to look like Uncle Fester from the Adams family. So you have to embrace yourself, you know? I'm not suggesting that you embrace cancer, but embrace the life that you live. Embrace the time that you have. As a stage four metastatic breast cancer patient, um, yes, I'm a, I guess I'm a survivor, I'm a thriver, but I'm basically, I'm a patient. I still go to the doctor regularly. You know, I still get medication regularly. And by my definition, that makes me a patient. Um, but more importantly, I, I'm alive. And that's, to me, the big message that I, I carry forward now. Years ago, when I was first diagnosed with breast cancer as a guy, I went around telling everybody, hey, did you know that men have breasts, that men get breast cancer? Then I had a couple of incredible experiences uh, on this cancer adventure. When I was a kid growing up, I had a poster. I, I was a downhill skier. And um, this poster of this guy going down the mountain, it was, it was an exciting picture. And uh, the statement on the poster read, life is a daring adventure or nothing at all. So I would wake up every morning to read that poster and it just kind of became ingrained in me and it became who I am. It became part of who I am. Uh, the day that I got uh, diagnosed, I said, this is going to be the greatest adventure I've ever been on. And I guess it's part of that embrace life, you know, philosophy, that positive, uh, tenacious attitude that, that it, is really just inbred in me from, from reading this poster day in and day out. My mission statement now is, ladies, don't be concerned just about your daughters. Be concerned about your children because they are, both of them are vulnerable. Right. And, you know, don't, grandmothers, don't be concerned about your granddaughters. Be concerned about your grandchildren. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So, so I want to I want to dive a little deeper into the NBC side of this for a minute. So, sure. uh, talk to me. Like, what are some of the realities of living with NBC from a physical perspective, and how have you and your family had to adapt to that? <laughs> I, this isn't pretty, but neither is metastatic breast cancer. But I'm going to be real honest here. Um. It can be uh, 
pretty shitty. It, it's not a pretty, pretty disease. You know, um, I've given up so much of my life of who I am in so many ways. And it's been hard uh, because of that tenacious um, spirit filled drive that I have to want to persevere. Um, it's been hard for me um, as a craftsman and an artist to say, you know, I don't have the strength to use a drill driver, screwdriver um, to, to drill a screw. I have to get somebody else to do it. It's hard for me to say I can't hold a board on a on a table saw. Um, it's hard for me to say I can't uh, carry a bag of groceries in for my wife. You know, so she does it. I wish it were easier. And I'm not complaining because I really, truly feel like I'm too blessed to complain about it. But the reality is, you know, if we want to talk realities, you know, there is a downside to it for sure. And I still feel as though here I am over five years into this, that I'm very, very blessed because a lot of people, of course, don't have a five-year tenure with metastatic breast cancer. Um, a lot of people are um, debilitated to the point that they can't get around. And at times, it's very difficult for me as I go through these stages and they, they kind of uh, have a, uh, an ebb and flow to them where they, you know, one day I'll feel really, really good. And the next day I feel like crap. It's this constant roller coaster that you're on up and down. For me, I'm probably a little uh, unusual. In the fact that, and maybe this is because of being a man, um, I, I'm sure that there is a certain amount of machismo that, that enters into this uh, equation. Um, but, uh, you know, there are so many times when I feel like I should be able to do something and I can't, you know, be it something as uh, menial as carrying in the groceries. And uh, I'm very shaky. I'm very teetery. I'm 61 years old. So um, I don't feel like I'm 61. I feel like my mind says, man, I, I'm just like ready to go downhill skiing and, and do those things that I've always done. Yeah. Wow. But I, I, I grew up uh, taking piano lessons and I haven't played for a long time just because of being busy with life and stuff. And Yesterday, I sat down at the piano and my fingers don't work very well. Um, I have neuropathy in my fingers and in my feet. And uh, thankfully, I still have enough feeling that I can have that sensation to grab onto things and stuff. But there are some things like just simply buttoning a shirt that sometimes is, um, is a little more difficult than other times. Mm. Understanding that, hey, you know what, this is part of it and you just have to accept it. You don't necessarily want to, but <laughs> you don't have a choice. And, yeah. And, and, I, and I wanted to actually explore that just a bit more. Um, you know, you, you obviously have a, a pretty good attitude, a pretty good perspective on life and, and health and family. Um, is there any one thing or any, any few things that sort of give you that strength to keep going? And, and how would you describe that? Without a doubt, I, I grew up uh, in the church. I had a very strong faith. A very, I'm very spiritual. I can tell you uh, personally that um, 
I don't think that I would have been able to be in the position that I am had it not been for my faith, you know? So that's the number one thing. The number two things is I have an amazing, loving, caring, devoted wife. I, I, I can't even describe how, how she is with me and how she makes me feel. She's just everything to me. Followed very closely by my grandchildren. <laughs> well, that's good. That's that's uh, that sounds like a really good perspective. How many grandchildren do you have? We have yeah, we have two. Oh, that's wonderful. A boy and girl. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, so this has been really great. Uh, I, I mean, I I really appreciate you sharing both your positive outlook on, on life and on on being a patient, as you described it, but also just sharing the struggles through that process. It's really, I think, really impactful uh, for me and, and for our listeners as well. But if if there's one message you can leave our listeners with, what would that message be? Um, as long as I'm sucking oxygen, I'm alive. And I want to live a life that is lively. And I may do that from my bed at times. I may do it from uh, a mobile scooter. At times, I may do it with a cane in my hands at times, and I may do it just me walking down the street in my normal stride. But I will tell you this, having a ability to cope is huge, I believe. And more importantly, don't live for yourself. Live for your family. Live to make good memories for them to have, you know. Because your life, you're still alive. Don't crawl in the corner and say, oh, woe is me. I've got stage four breast cancer and I'm going to die. Guess what? We were going to do that before we, were gonna, before we were diagnosed. So live your life. And the main thing is, don't be concerned about your daughters. Be concerned about your children. And that is all I can tell you. Live your life. Enjoy every day. Make the most out of it. If you can't get out of bed, read a book, call somebody, listen to some music, whatever it takes so that you can cope with tomorrow, hopefully getting up out of bed and moving, you know? Hmm. That's great advice. That's really, really great advice. I, I appreciate your outlook. appreciate your your just sharing your life and in, in this moment in time with us. And Kirby, thank you for joining me on the show today. Adam, it is absolutely my pleasure. I tell you, I get so much joy out of hoping that I can help others cope, learn how to do that, and just live. Support for MBC Week is brought to you by our partner, Merck. Thank you for joining us for this special episode of Real Pink focused on metastatic breast cancer. You can help the metastatic breast cancer community today by donating to Breakthrough Research by visiting komen.org forward slash MBC donate. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.